You are listening to the Equip Podcast. This weekly course seeks to equip our church, and we pray it can help you as well. Check out more resources at rockycreek.church. My name is Bryce Staggs. I know some of you, some of you I don't know because I am not here uh, most Sunday mornings as I serve as the transitional interim pastor at one of our church partnerships at Cedar Grove down the road. So that's kind of where I uh, normally am, but it is uh, an honor and a privilege to be able to be with you this evening. And we're going to speak specifically about prayer. As as we looked uh, this morning or this evening in our service, we looked at um, three very simple commands that Paul gives us in 1 Thessalonians. But uh, if, if we really get down to it, Practically speaking, uh, it's, it's one of those things where uh, it's much easier said than done, right? It's really easy to say, oh, we can do this. But when we actually flesh it out, uh, to pray continually is something that is very difficult. At least for me, it's very difficult. Uh, I know some of you in this room are, are uh, holy prayer warriors, and I commend you for that because I struggle so much with prayer. But I'm excited this evening for us to look at this idea of cultivating a lifestyle of prayer. So here's what I want us to do. If you're at a table by yourself, you might need to go join up with somebody else because we're going to do an exercise to start out with. But I want you to discuss this question. If we are called to pray continually and cultivate a lifestyle of prayer, why do we often get so discouraged when trying to pray? Why do we often get so discouraged when trying to pray? So I want you to discuss that real quick at your table. Why do you think um, either for you or just in general as Christians, we often struggle with prayer? And if you are an expert prayer here this evening, then you can just tell everybody else why you're an expert prayer and uh, what works for you as well. But but I want you to discuss that. Why do we often get so discouraged when trying to pray? So take just a minute or two at your tables and discuss that, and then we'll come back together. All right, let's go ahead and, and, and we'll come back together. Uh, what did what did we come come up with? Just a, just a couple of things, one or two people. Why do we often struggle so much to pray? Finding the right words to say. That's good. What else? Distractions and complacency. Good, good, good. And iniquity in our hearts. Iniquity in our hearts. Good. Your prayers aren't being answered right away. Mm. Prayers aren't being answered right away. Uh, in the back. Lazy. Lazy. Distractions. Distractions. Lack of faith. Lack of faith. So we... Oh, one more? Good. Approaching. Approaching a holy God. So, so fearfulness in that, right? Yeah. Good. So, so I'll take one more. Satan hindering prayers. Satan hinders prayers. That's good. So, so we've got, you guys have, I, I bet we could probably go on for, for the rest of our time together just listing way after way after way that we struggle with this idea. And, and so let's get it out on the table for, for each and every one of us. It's a common thing, right? It's, we, we don't have to sit around and, and think, oh, people are going to judge me if I'm struggling to pray. No, we... It, it is a common thought that, that for each and every one of us that, that we struggle to pray, whether it's because we are fearful in approaching a holy God, whether it's because we are easily distracted or, or, or we're simply lazy, right? At the end of a long day, we, we don't want to pray. We just, I'm ready to go to sleep, right? Or, or I think it was great over there to say, hey, sometimes God isn't answering my prayers right away. And so, so I'm going to give up on praying because I, I, I don't, God, where are you, right? But what's incredible is, is that scripture is so clear for us that um, even as Jesus talks at the Sermon on the Mount and he talks through, hey, God's taking care of the flowers of the field. 
He's, he's given the birds the food that they need. How much more is your Heavenly Father going to take care of you? And, and it's so important when we look at prayer that we focus on asking God that we, when we ask, we seek, we knock, and knowing that, that God hears us and He will answer. And, and, and so I think as, as we look at all of those things, as we look at this idea of, of diagnosing the problem, those are all valid reasons to say, hey, this is why I struggle with prayer. This is why other people struggle with prayer. And it is a real thing. It is a real thing. And, and in fact, uh, I brought a book with me and I recommend it 10 out of 10. Um, it, it's called Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. Uh, it's called Praying the Bible, and it's, it, it's a very helpful book. It's a very small, tiny book, uh, but, but it's so helpful. And, and what Donald Whitney says is, is, is for so many people, uh, it, we don't want to admit it, but what we do is that we say the same old things about the same old things, right? We, we just say the same things. And so what happens is it, he continues and, and he says this. He says that we can be talking to the most fascinating person in the universe about the most important things in our lives, and we are bored to death. We talk to the most fascinating person in the universe about the most important things in our lives, and we are bored to death. And I know that's so true for, for, for me in my life, is, is when I think about prayer, I, I get so bored sometimes. But it's because often I, I do this, is I say the same old things about the same old things. In fact, my wife and my son are not here, but if you were to go and ask my wife and say, uh, Katie, how does Bryce normally pray before every meal? She could probably get close to quote, quoting a lot of my uh, prayers before we eat, right? I, I, I say the same thing oftentimes over and over and over again. So what I want us to do this evening is, is we're actually, if, if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Daniel chapter 9. Uh, Daniel chapter 9, there in the Old Testament, um, and, and it is uh, right after Ezekiel. So if you find Ezekiel, you can flip over to Daniel and find Daniel chapter 9. But what I want us to do is I want to give some practical steps this evening of how do we overcome this? How do we overcome this idea of saying the same old things about the same old things? How, how, how do we do that? Because we, we often struggle with that. We, we talk to the God of the universe, the Holy Father, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and, and we struggle to say things. But what I do love, and, and, and somebody mentioned, um, when, when I asked what was one of the reasons that we struggle to pray, somebody did mention that we, we don't often have the words to say. And what I love about that is, is, is Paul makes it very clear in Scripture that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with, with words, with groanings that are too deep to understand. And so we can even take comfort in that and, and knowing that it's not up to us to have those perfect words, right? It, it's not up to us to have those perfect words, but in fact, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us on our behalf and take our request before God. So, so, so that's number one. We, we, we say the same old things about the same old things. But an, another reason that we often struggle with this, and, and, and somebody mentioned this, is, is that we're easily distracted. We are so easily distracted. We, we live in a world now where it, it, it's difficult at times to, to even get moments by yourself, right? When, especially if you have um, a roommate, your family, whatever, we get distracted just by the everyday Hustle and bustle of life. We're, we're always on the go. And, and, and all of these things, they, they, they just take our time and we get so easily distracted. 
And I can share with you that, that I'm easily distracted. Even up here right now, my mind is go, trying to go a hundred different ways. And I have to make sure, okay, I'm going to stay focused on, on what I'm going to say. But we're so easily distracted. So uh, what, what I want us to look at in Daniel chapter 9 is a model of prayer. I want us to look at a model of prayer in Daniel chapter 9. So, so if you know the story of Daniel, right? Daniel goes with a lot of other Israelites and they are sent into exile into Babylon. They are, uh, they are taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar. I struggle to say Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to call him King Nebi, okay? So, so they're taken into captivity by King Nebi and that is where they live. And so what happens, you've probably heard of stories like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so very popular stories come out of the book of Daniel. But what has happened and what's, what are the significant things about that story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for, for our purposes here? Yes, they're thrown into this fire, right? And, and the protector comes and, and keeps them from being burned. But why did they end up in the fire in the first place? They ended up in the fire in the first place because they were the only people that refused to bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar. Everybody else in the land bowed down to King Nebi, right? Everybody else, including the Israelites that were brought there from captivity. They turned away from their God. They turned away from Yahweh. They turned away from the one true God. And they said, we're going to bow down to King Nebi. Keep that in mind as, as we look at what happens here in Daniel chapter 9. But Daniel gives us a wonderful, uh, a, a wonderful model of what prayer can and should look like. And, and so I encourage you, and what we're going to unpack in, in just a little bit as well, a, a practical way of, okay, I get distracted when I pray, I don't know what to pray, is simply praying the Bible. And, and so as we get started, as you think through that, Praying Daniel chapter 9 is a wonderful way to start. And, and we'll kind of look through that as we go. And so what happens at the beginning of, of, of chapter 9 is we see that in the first year of Darius, the son of Asarius, by descent of Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. That's a lot. We're not going to unpack all of that, but, but here's what happens. Here's the gist of it. Daniel gets a word from the Lord. He is reading the books of the Lord and he gets a word from the Lord. He is seeing what has happened. And then look at verse three. What is his first response? I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy. Please for mercy. So that's the first thing that we see here is that Daniel focuses his prayer on the will of God. Daniel focuses his prayer on the will of God. He gets a word from the Lord. And instead of saying, oh, this must be what God says, he goes and he turns his face straight to prayer in these verses. So when God speaks to us through scripture, we, we must make sure that we also respond to him through prayer. And, and, and I think often, especially when it comes to getting distracted, we hear that, that prayer is a, is a conversation between you and God, right? Prayer is a, prayer is a conversation, but, but I know on my end, I often go and, and I tell God what I need and then I cut off that conversation, right? I say, God, I need you to intervene in this. Thanks. See you later, right? And, and so what we do is, is, is often we put God on a shelf until we need him. And then we say, okay, God, I need you to come through in this. And then we put him back on a shelf. And we don't actually have a conversation with God. And so then what, what sometimes we'll do is we'll say, okay, God, um, 
Uh, I'm told that you're supposed to speak to me in prayer, so I'm going to sit here and listen. And we sit and listen, and then for those of us that are easily distracted, 30 seconds in, we're sitting there thinking, what in the world was I, what was I doing, right? Like, we, we don't know. Well, when we look at Scripture and when we pray Scripture, it, it gives us an opportunity to listen to the Word of the Lord, to read the Word of the Lord while we're communicating with Him. So Daniel goes through and he gets a word from God. So he turns his face to the Lord God. He seeks him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And then he says, I prayed to the Lord, my God, and made confession, saying, O Lord, the grateful and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. So catch this, Daniel gets a word from God. He goes to the Lord in prayer. Does he immediately say, God, give me what I want, give me what I want, give me what I want? No. With confession, he says, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love. It's important for us to remember, just as Daniel did, that Daniel gives the Lord his rightful praise. Daniel gives the Lord his rightful praise. Any of you, some of you may be that friend. Some of you know that friend that they only come to you when they need something. You have friends like that. You don't talk to them for months and all of a sudden they, they, they give you a call. They, they come find you. They say, hey, I, I need this, right? And they only come to you if they need something. And it frustrates us, right? It, it, it frustrates us. But how often do we treat God like that? How often do, do, do we only go to God when we need something, right? We, we haven't talked to God in weeks, and all of a sudden it feels like our life is falling apart. And we say, God, I need you. And we get frustrated with God that, that we feel like he's not there, but we haven't even attempted to talk to him in weeks. I think uh, Taylor, in his sermon today, he, he, he made a great illustration, and, and he talked how prayer must be our, our, our first means of, of, of decision-making of anything, not a last resort. But for so many of us, I, I know even for myself, I often treat prayer as a last resort. I'm going to try to handle things my own way, Bryce's way. That's how I'm going to handle it. And then after that, if that doesn't work, then I'll go to God. Then I'll go to God. And so it treats, it, it makes it to where we treat God as, as that friend who we only use every once in a while. And I think that's so important. So what Daniel does here, he gives the Lord his rightful praise. He's making sure that when he approaches the heavenly father, he's not just going and saying, hey, God, give me what I want. But he's recognizing, God, you're awesome. God, you are great. You are the creator of all things. The only reason that I even believe that you can answer my prayer is because I know who you are. Because I know that you are a holy God. So Daniel gives the Lord his rightful praise, and that does two things. Number one, it glorifies God, right? It, it, it props God up. It gives God the glory that he's, he does. But the second thing that it does is that it humbles us. It humbles us. And, and, and when we go to the Lord, if we want to create a, a lifestyle and cultivate a lifestyle of prayer, often we don't pray because we think we can handle it ourselves. But when we give God rightful praise, it will humble us as well. And if we truly believe that, that God is in control of all things, if we truly believe that he's the creator of all things, then we should never question whether we should go to him in prayer or not. 
So we give him the rightful praise. And, and I love it, it. It talks here in verse four. It says that he made confession saying these things for you and I. We give we give praise to God. We humble ourselves. And when we are humble, when we realize, hey, I'm talking to a God that is holy, that's on top of the universe. I'm not holy. It gives us a freedom to be able to confess our sin, to be honest about our struggles, to, to be able to do those things. Because what, what happens is often we, we fall into this trap where we think we can't be honest about our sins with, with other people because somehow they would think they're better than us. But when we talk to a holy God, and as difficult as that may be, we know that it's a holy God who's also a loving God who cares for us. And when we take our sins before him, he's not going to judge us. He's not going to cast us out. He's going to forgive us of those sins when we ask for forgiveness. He's a father who loves us, who's going to take care of us. So Daniel gives rightful praise to God. And then verses 5 through 14, this is, this is kind of a, a, a decent amount here, but, but I want us to read it together. Starting in verse 5, listen to what Daniel says. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. Verse six, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame as at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of, inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, and all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants and prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven, there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us. Yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord, our God, is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. Notice anything interesting about that passage? What does Daniel do? He confessed the sins of the people. He confessed the sins of the people. Throughout that entire thing, he says, to us, we have sinned. To us, God. That's exactly what Daniel does. He, Daniel confesses the sins of the nation. He confesses the sins of Israel. And here's, here, here's why I point that out. 
Because what did we talk about? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How did they end up in the fire? Because everybody else bowed down to King Nebuchadnezzar. They didn't, right? They, they kept standing for, for what was right. Daniel chapter 1, what happens is, is when, when they're taken into exile, when they're taken into captivity, King Nebi says, hey, give them all of the best food, give them all the best wine, give them all these things. And what does Daniel say? No, no, no. Look, my God's better. I'm only going to eat vegetables. I'm only going to drink water. Daniel never once does he bend to what King Nebuchadnezzar wants. But when it comes time to talk to God, does Daniel stand up on a pedestal and say, God, I don't know what's wrong with these people. Somebody needs to whip them into shape, God. Save me from punishment. Don't worry about them. They turn against you. No, that's not what Daniel does. Daniel goes and he says, God, we have sinned against you. In fact, Daniel points out six different aspects of Israel's sin in these verses. He says that they have sinned, that they have done wrong, that they have been wicked, that they have rebelled, that they have turned away. But not once does he put all the blame on other people. Not once does he point the other finger and say, I'm better than all of them. He identifies with those people. See, we, we can blame wickedness on the people around us or we can rightly identify and say, hey, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a sinner just like everybody else. And God, we all need your grace. But, but Daniel confesses the sins of the nations. And then if you, uh, I, I'm going to skip forward to verse 18. Listen to what Daniel says as he closes out his prayer. I love the way that he says this. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. Listen to this. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, pay attention and act. So the next thing that, that Daniel does is, is Daniel confidently asks the Lord to hear. He confidently asks the Lord to hear. And what I love about that is, is he goes before God and he says, God, not based off of my merit, right? Not based off of anything that I could possibly do. Not based off of, of, of how good I am. Not based off of my righteousness. But God, I know that you're a merciful God. Based off of your mercy, God. Would you hear us and would you forgive? Would you hear us and would you forgive? So Daniel, he does a great job of modeling this prayer. We, we start where, where we praise God, right? We, we recognize who we're talking to. That we are talking to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. But we're also talking to our Father. We're, we're, we're talking to someone who loves us. We, we give him praise and we make sure, okay, God, I, I want to pray your will, right? I, I want to I know what your will is. Help me to, to pray your will. And Daniel then confesses sin. He doesn't go before God and say, God, give me what I want because I've done good. He, he, in fact, he says the opposite. He says, God, I need you to intervene even though I've sinned, even though the people around me have sinned. God, would, would you help me to do these things? So Daniel confesses the sins of the nation, and finally, he confidently asks the Lord to hear. And you and I can 
Also, when we go to the Father in prayer, we can confidently ask the Lord to hear. We know that He hears our prayers. Whenever I talk about prayer, whenever I, I, I talk about that, I don't know if you, uh, anybody in here ever watched the movie uh, Bruce Almighty by chance? Came out probably 15 years ago. I feel like it's an older movie now. Um, not that old, but 15 years is a long time. Um, anyways, but, but there's a scene in this movie, right, where, where this, the, there's this idea there um, that the gentleman who, his name is Bruce, and he goes through and, and he basically blames God for all of his problems. And so God, in, in, in this fictional movie, God says, okay, Bruce, I'm going to let you be God for the day. And what he quickly finds out is that basically um, he gets all of the... Um, responsibility of being God, but he doesn't get any of the, hey, all-powerful, uh, omniscient, all-knowing. Like He doesn't get any of those things. And so there's this thing where he starts getting headaches because people are just praying uh, nonstop. And, and so he just, he's got voices in his head that his, people are just praying. So he says, I know what I'll do. I'll get them all to come to, through the email, right? And then all of a sudden, his email box is, is overflowing with email. So he says, okay, God, or he says, okay, I'm going to get these prayers delivered to me on a sticky note. And all of a sudden, his apartment is, is completely covered mounds and mounds of sticky notes. And, 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 and it's a funny kind of comedic thing, but what it points to is, is that no human being can possibly do what God does, could ever measure up to God. But what's incredible is it points to the truth that, that God is in no way uh, sidetracked by our prayers. He, he's in no way does he say, okay, Bryce, you can't talk to me right now because I'm too overwhelmed. God is never overwhelmed with our problems. God is never overwhelmed with our prayers. He, he wants us to come to him and we can go to him confidently knowing that, that he's going to hear our prayers. He is going to hear our prayers. So what I want us to do is, is as Daniel gives us a model of prayer, I want to look at uh, three steps for us to pray continually. Three steps to praying continually. And these are, these are uh, pretty practical for us here this evening. Um, but, uh, and many of them are, are set forth in that book, Praying the, Soul, Praying the Bible by uh, Donald Whitney. And, and, and so that is number one, is, is that we simply pray the Bible. That, that, that we pray the Bible. And so especially if, if you're like me, if you get distracted, it's a lot easier to pray uh, if we're reading through something. Right. It, it, it's a lot easier to pray. And so even Daniel chapter nine is a great place to start where where we sit here. And because. Verse six, Daniel nine, six, says, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. I think that we can still stand here today in 2022 and say, hey, God, we, we haven't listened to you. We haven't listened to the people that you have sent to tell us what we need to do. Uh, God, we've sinned against you, right? We, we can still pray through Scripture. We, we can pray through Daniel. Another practical way, a great starting point, is, is to pray a psalm a day. To pray a psalm a day. And so uh, what you do is you take the day of the week and then you add 30 to it. So today is May the 1st, right? Today's May the 1st, and so you would pray today, if you, wanted, uh, if you were doing this, you would pray uh, Psalm 1, Psalm 31, Psalm 61, Psalm 91, Psalm 121. And so, for instance, uh, on the 3rd, on May the 3rd, which would be Tuesday, you could choose, you could pray Psalm 3, Psalm 33, Psalm 63, Psalm 93, Psalm 123. 
And, and here's what's cool if, if you do it this way. There's, there's several uh, benefits to doing this is number one, let's say you started that here in May. And so May 1, you read Psalm 1. May the 2nd, you read Psalm 2. And you went all the way up. You would have read Psalm 1 through 30 by the end of the month of May. Okay? So then in June, you start back over. But on June the 3rd, instead of praying Psalm 3, you would move up and you would pray Psalm 33. On June the 4th, you would pray Psalm 34, if that makes sense. So then... Five months from now, you would have prayed through the entire Psalms. You would have read the entire book of Psalms in five months by just reading one Psalm a day and, and letting it be your guide. And then, what do we do on the 31st day? Well, on the 31st day of the month, you pray Psalm 119. And you pray through a bit of that because uh, split it up five ways. I don't know if you've looked at Psalm 119. It is long. So split it up. But, but this is a great way to pray. And so uh, in, in just a little bit, we're going to walk through Psalm chapter 3 together. And, and I'm going to kind of illustrate a way that you might pray through Psalm chapter 3. And, and how we might do that together. Another way, uh, another practical way to pray continually is to journal your prayers. Is to journal your prayers. And you can do this so many different ways. I, I have friends who have, have been in ministry for decades. And, and they still have prayer journals from 30 years ago from where they were writing down their prayers. And, and I think that is so incredible. And so if you ever get to the point where you were saying, okay, uh, God, have you answered any of my prayers? You can go back and look at a journal and say, oh, yep, I remember when I prayed for that and God answered that prayer. Isn't it incredible how I was so worried about this and God took care of it and I had nothing to worry about, right? And, and, and you can look at those things. If, if you have a smartphone, it could even be something as simple as I sit down once a week and I write down the top 10 prayer requests in my life, whether it's for me, for other people, whatever it is. And then I have another one that is praises. And then I have another one that is, um, and, and so every week I go and I look at those 10. I, I, I see where we're kind of at, see what the Lord's done in that. And then I move them uh, to another category, if I'm able to, that says answered prayers. And so just a long list of things that have been in my top 10 things that I've been praying for this week, this month, this year. Some of them have been in there for the past five years and they are still there, right? But we're still praying. We're, we're not losing hope because with other things I've seen where I've been able to move other things to the answered prayer column. And I'm going to keep praying that, God, I'm going to move this over to the answered prayer. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to move it over. And, and so even if you say, ah, Bryce, I can't write out all my prayers. I can't journal. That's another practical way is, is just to say just one sentence that says, OK, I'm praying for this. I'm, I'm praying for that. And, and to do it there. And, and so to journal. And another way that, that you can journal is, is to pray through Acts. That's what I call it, A-C-T-S. And, and so here it is, and, and Daniel models this a little bit in, in his book as well, but if we pray Acts, A-C-T-S, here's what you do. And you can either pray this, it's a, it's a great guide to pray either out loud, or it is. you can even write this. On the top of your page, you put a giant A. And, and so the first thing that we pray is adoration. Just like Daniel does, he starts out by giving praise to God. We want to start our prayers with adoration or with praise. It, it gives us this position, right? It gives us this position of humbleness where we're saying, God, 
Life's not about me. It's not for me. But but instead, God, I want to talk about how great you are. So when we pray through Acts, A-C-T-S, the A in that is adoration. I want to give God a praise. Then we get the C. The C is confession. We, we confess our sins. God, this is, this is where I've sinned this week. This is where I'm, I'm struggling this week. We confess our sins. Then the T is thanksgiving. We, we give thanks to God. We thank God for what he's done in our life in the past day, in the past week, in the past year, right? We, we, we give thanks to God. And then the S is supplication or request. We, we want to ask God, God, this, I need you to intervene in this scenario. I need you to intervene. And so what do we do? We, we, we put that request, we put it at the very bottom. And, and I think that's a good model because, again, if you're like me, my tendency so often is to only go to God when I need something. And I put my request first and then I don't get to anything else because I'm only worried about that request, right? And God, that's all I need is my request. So we put that request last. Because we're going to give God his praise first, right? That's, that's what we're most concerned with. We're going to give God his praise. We're going to confess our sins. We're going to thank God. And then we're going to get to our request. And sometimes, sometimes I, I believe that our requests are, are what we want, what we go to God for. It is taking up such a huge amount of our thoughts, right? It's taking up such a huge amount of our time that we don't know how we could do anything else, right? We, we, we can't function throughout the day because we're just so worried, so anxious about what we need. Well, when we spend time praying, when we spend time praising God, when we spend time confessing our sins, when we spend time thanking God for the, the ways that he's worked in our lives, by the time we get to that request, I have a feeling that you would find that oftentimes you would say, you know what? I just spent the past 10 minutes talking about how great my God is. Whatever I'm worried about isn't as big as I thought it was. Amen. But nonetheless, God, can you still take care of it, right? And so we put that supplication last. And then what, what's cool is, is you might be saying, Bryce, you want me to spend time thanking God? I don't have much of my life to thank God for. Can I share with you that, that, that right now you can thank God that you're here. There's always something to thank God for, right? Even as we saw in the text uh, in, in the service today, right? That, that we are thanksgiving in all circumstances. But here's what's cool. Is when we then go to make our request to God, my hope and, and what I know is true is that right now you may be struggling to find things to thank God for. But the more that you model this, the more that you pray, the more requests that you make, the more that you're on the lookout for what God is doing in your life, the more time you'll spend thanking him. The more time you'll spend saying, God, last week I prayed for this and you did that. And I want to thank you. I want to praise you for that. And so you might start just one week. OK, God, I, I prayed for these two things. You answered both of those. Great. I'm going to be thankful for two things. The next week, God, not only did it. You answered those two things last week, but this week you answered three more things. Now I'm going to be thankful for five things, right? I'm going to be thankful and thankful and thankful. And so the more that we model this, the more thankful that we are as well. And so we pray continually. So what I want us to do for, for, our, for our closing moments is, um, it, it is real quick. If you'll turn with me to Psalm chapter 3. 
Psalm chapter 3. And, and, and I'm going to give you somewhat of an example of, okay, this is how, if I'm praying through a psalm, this is, this is kind of how I would handle praying through a psalm, okay? So we're just going to spend some time and, and, and we're going to pray together. So we see in verses 1 and 2 here, O Lord, how many are my foes, many are rising against me, many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. So as I read that, I would, I, I, we would then pray, God, I feel like the, the world is crashing down around me. I, I feel like everything that could possibly go wrong in my life is going wrong. I, I'm struggling to find hope, but God, I, I know that you are my salvation. I know that you are my rock. I know that you bring salvation through your son, Jesus. And so, God, even though I feel like things are rising up against me and, and I feel like I'm, I'm failing, God, I pray that you would secure me. As it says in, in, in Psalm 3, verse 3, that you, God, are a shield about me. God, would you protect me? When, when I feel down, God, would you, would you lift me up? Would I not focus on my strength, God, but would I focus on your glory? Would you be who I cry out to? As it says in verse 4, God, I, I cry out to you. I, I come to you, God, because I know that when I cry out to you, that you hear me, that you will listen. Verse 5 says, I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. And so, God, I, I pray that, that right now that you would give us rest. I've been so busy, God, trying to fix things myself. Would I recognize that you are holy, that you are powerful, and that, God, that I can rest in you. I don't have to take care of every detail, God, but, but instead I can rest in knowing that you are holy. Verse 6, I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. God, would you take my fear away? Because when I look to you, when I see how holy you are, God, everything else that, that I feel like is against me isn't as big as I once thought that it was. So God, would you take my fears away? Verse 7, save, save me, God. Whatever path that, that I'm trying to walk in that is not your will, God, would you save me from that? Would you pull me back to your will? God's salvation belongs to you, and I trust in that, God. I, I, I trust that you will not let me be cast out, God. I, I trust that you will hold me fast because I know that salvation belongs to you. And it ends verse 8 there saying, your blessing be on your people. So, God... I pray for the, the people in this room right now, God. I, I pray for your people. I pray for the people at Rocky Creek, God, that you would bless them, that, that they would learn to live a life where they are rejoicing always, where they are giving thanks in all circumstances, because we know that because of you, God, we don't need to fear what we're currently going through because we have a future hope and a future grace. Jesus now pray. Amen. So that's a, sorry, I know it's kind of weird to, to do that at, at times, but 
But if you're praying through Psalms, that's that's a wonderful way to, to just pray through Psalms, right? Where you simply just read verse by verse and you say, okay, here's where I'm at, right? And 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 at the end of verse seven, there it says, "For you strike all my enemies on the cheek; you break the teeth of the wicked." That that there might be a time to pray, to pray that, right? God destroy all my enemies, right? But, but for some of us, when you say, God, I'm just so angry at these people, would you help me to understand that I don't have to take my anger out on them, right? Like that, that, that might be what it prompts us to pray, but we use Psalms just to, to go and, and to pray. So then uh, what I, the next thing I want us to do, is just um, turn your piece of paper over, if you would. And on your piece of paper, on the left-hand column, uh, write a giant A, and then skip a few inches down, write a C, skip down a little more, a T, and then an S. And you're going to spell out acts. And what I want us to do just for, for the last few moments is, is I want you just personally to take some time um, and, and write out your prayer this evening. And some of you probably are like, I'm a pro in this. I've been journaling prayers all my life. Some of you say, I've never even thought to do that. That's okay. You don't have to write long paragraphs. Nobody else is going to see this. This is between you and God. And, and, and again, as I said at the beginning, Paul tells us in Romans that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And so you may say, I don't even know what to write, what, what I'm feeling. Adoration praise? You may only be able to write down God is good. That might be it. And that is okay. That's, we, we want to take a starting point, right? We, we want to get somewhere to start. And so everybody on your pieces of paper, take a few minutes and, and write this out. You can write as much as you want. Um, but at the very least, I, I want to encourage you just to write down one thing under each category. Under the adoration under the, and praise, under the confession, under the thanksgiving, under the request. Write at least one thing. You might, you might get to the request and have 20 things. That's okay. Just one thing under each category. So take just a moment. Uh, and, and do that just between you and God. Uh, write some stuff down and then we'll come back and, and close it out in, in just a minute. Thank you for listening to the Equip Podcast. Make sure to check out rockycreek.church for complete notes and additional resources. You can also subscribe to this podcast and get weekly courses delivered to you. We hope to equip you for the work of the ministry.